0: everybody! Welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. We are stand-up comedians. Stand-up comedians that are currently jobless because of the coronavirus. We're
1: finally going to be the doctors our mothers wanted us to be.
0: Is there anything that we don't know? A
1: lot, actually. We have a lot of questions. Uh, we have a lot of answers. All of them wrong. But we do have access to... Google! And a vet! Oh yeah, my mom's a vet! She knows some stuff. We have to do this So again. every once in a while, we're going to invite her on. No, we don't. We're going to actually use this. <laughs> welcome to Two
0: Non-Doctors. I hate ones in my face. Hi, welcome to Two Non-Doctors. I'm Liz Mealy. I'm Maria Shahada. Ma. <laughs> oh, how was your day, Maria?
1: <laughs> You've had this full day without me. Yeah, I did have a full day without you. But And too many, too many. Um, too many full days without Liz. But... Okay it was good. I was walking home today and this girl just was like, she was on a bike. I was at the crosswalk and I was going towards her anyway. Cause I was walking that way. She's just waving at me. And I, she waved at me. Like we knew each other, like, Oh, Hey, it's you. And I'm, I'm here and we're running into each other. You know, like, it's almost like, it was almost like a step above, like, should I just ghost this person? It was a sort of tentative yeah. wave. But then I was like, Oh, wait, I don't recognize her shit where do i know her from and i'm like going i'm like flipping through my head like where would i know this person from and then she goes you don't know me but i'm thank
0: god because i was having a panic attack I,
1: know, I was like you should have screamed that from across the street because i was really reluctant to come up to you uh, she was like but i'm a fellow misophone and i saw you talk about it on stage and i'd never like heard of that before but i have it and and uh, it was it was really great and and you're awesome and then she just wrote off
0: and you're like no <laughs> i did love that like thing where you're like oh i don't know this person why the fuck are they talking to me and then they give you like a compliment and you're like oh, friendship seriously seriously because it's so off putting at first
1: like that actually happened to me um, when i was like getting onto the tube i was in on the platform and this girl kept staring me down and i was like i was trying to ignore it i was like i feel like this
0: girl's staring at me but i'm not gonna look over at her like maybe she's looking past me are you like, like running your tongue over your teeth and like trying to figure out if you have boogers there's there's no other reason this person's staring at me
1: yeah and then I look I kind of glance over and she is still staring at me and I'm like
0: uh yes (laughs) can we do something about this I'm kind of waiting for it to be like your father sent me and I was just making sure it was you yeah well because it was really like almost like like she was trying to
1: make sure it was me like she was leaning it was really weird and intense and she was like you're a comedian. I've seen you, and I was like, "Cool, <laughs> like thank God it's that." Hey, I thought I was getting murdered, but cool that you're a fan. Yeah. And then she was, Jesus. and it was like she was like, "You're so funny," and then
0: the door shut. I'm like, "No, that was the part I wanted." <laughs> <laughs> I, I literally. <laughs> you're like I the whole time I was scared and then I finally feel relaxed and I lose the connection yeah come on yeah come on like.
1: yeah the way I remember it in my head is always funnier than like like uh one time I was ki- kissing my ex-fiance and at a station and this girl like I feel like she was just standing in between us waiting for us to be done kissing <laughs> and I look over and she's like you're a comedian I saw you at the show last time. <laughs> it's like a little privacy please <laughs> yeah, it's always flattering like, it's always flattering if yeah. you recognize me say something
0: but it so I have two stories yeah one um when I was in the UK this is probably like four years ago I think it was around maybe it might have been either the year of Edim- Edinburgh Edinburgh or the year after but I'm in the UK I'm walking to a gig and I'm kind of like rushing in between gigs and this car slows down, super creepy, like super scary. I'm like, oh my God, this, drive-bys, they're everywhere. Like this, you know what I mean? I was like, I can't wait for this UK drive-by where it's not a gun. It's like, just like a bat. They slow down and they go, Liz Mealy, I'm a huge fan. And oh. then they just keep, and I was in a That's British awesome. accent. And I was like, and I was on the phone with my mom. That's what I remember is, oh, I know exactly when this was. Cause my mom was coming. It was the trip where my mom was going to come to the UK. And so. I'm in a car on the phone with my mom literally where my joke comes from from my special of where she was just like what if I die on the plane and I'm I'm literally calming my mom down while I'm rushing in between spots. So I'm literally being like mom it's going to be okay flying is very safe and then they were like Liz Mealy I'm a huge fan I go mom I just got recognized give me a second. <laughs> it was like pretty big deal right now. But it was it was like so many conflicting energies you like I, I can't them. be late.
1: <laughs> my mom <laughs> my mom is sad. Your mom she's terrified something's going to happen. The plane will fall out of the sky. There'll be terrorists. And like this terrorist is like, oh, like I want to kill
0: everybody. And then he goes, wait, Liz Mealy, love you. Big fan, (laughs) big fan. So sorry. I have to end your life and your career, but you're doing great. (laughs) Um, Also the best, literally serendipitously, like out of a movie, best moment I was ever recognized is, um, you know, my ex broke my heart like 13, 14 years ago. It gets older and older, but I think it's only 12, but like 40 years ago, man breaks my heart. But anyway, broke up. We didn't, I blocked him. I didn't talk to him for years. And then we kind of, you know, talked, got over stuff and became friends and we would get coffee like once a year. So he's in New York. He wasn't living in New York anymore. He was in New York and he's meeting me at this tea shop and I'm um, waiting in line. There was already a long line. So I'm waiting in line and he walks up, we start talking. We're about to order. And this girl goes, hey, I'm, I'm so sorry. I know this isn't appropriate. I'm so sorry to interrupt. I'm a huge fan. I love feminist sex positions. I love da da da. She starts listing like stuff. She's like, I'm just like a really big fan. And I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, and then she left. And I, and like the dude looked up at me goes, are you, was that planned? And I was like, could not have planned it better if it was. <laughs> like, What a great actress, if that was, it was just so perfectly like, oh sorry you broke my heart and you haven't seen me for five years yeah. how are you doing <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, no big deal uh
1: one more story i did town hall like when i was like first getting into stand-up it was like um uh, mazjubani show and he was he he oh, had yeah. some of us open for him it was when we were having i had pizza in the green room and everybody yeah, I, yeah, I remember room, this and everybody was like the pizza looks gross i was like come on man come on it's, it's in pizza. my mouth and it was a fun night but um and then I had to work at French Roast. It's a 24-hour diner. I had to work like super early in the morning and I was so hungover. And this woman was like, recognized me from the show. And I'm just like, oh, thanks. So did you want your eggs scrambled, sunny side up, fried? <laughs> <laughs> Comedy so humbling like that. You can, oh my like, God. Literally, I was signing autographs after the show and then yeah. it was just I perform
0: for thousands of people, and now I'm making sure thousands of people are fed the next day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, New York City. Uh, announcements? Yeah. Patreons, people that give us money. Oh, we've had a couple of new patrons. We're so grateful for you guys. Um, if you don't know, uh, you can get stickers. You can get weekly bonus episodes. You can get monthly bonus episodes. You can control our Googles. Um, you can be a Google guest. You can get a copy of my book you can get our stand-up there's so many fun benefits to being one of our patreons so you can join at patreon.com slash two non-doctors for doctors and just thank you to everybody that supports us we are so grateful
1: yeah thanks everyone uh follow us on the socials you can follow us on twitter facebook and youtube at two non-doctors it's number two full word doctors or on Instagram at TuneOnDRS. And uh, you, if you have time, you can leave us a uh, rate and review on Apple Podcasts because it helps us get seen. Uh, we need to get seen, I think. Uh, it helps us uh, feel better. We need to feel better. <laughs> and basically, uh, all around, um, really appreciative of it. Thanks to everyone who's left reviews so far. Um, and uh, I actually, I didn't really like think of any personal news. I'm sure I, I'll be performing in London up to the end of the year yeah
0: um i just added a date for october i'll be in richmond virginia um at sandman's comedy club october 7th to the 9th my buddy umar khan is opening for me he's brilliant um man's the- a
1: terrible name for a comedy club
0: i think it's his last name
1: oh he should have done something else sandman is like mr sandman and which is a sleep guy that's the sleep monster that comes in Put you to sleep, and it's Mr. like,
0: Sandman, doo, 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 doo. right? And then, you but it it's this is episode. a place where
1: you go to laugh. You
0: don't want to like, in, in, in. you think about going to sleep, not laughing. These are all great points, um, <laughs> super valid. I'll bring them up when I'm there. I'll let them know that this was inappropriately named, and I would like to be uh, refunded for my inconvenience in cash. <laughs> Perfect and great. Um, but yeah, I'll be in Chicago, Richmond, Virginia. Kansas City and St. Louis in October. Um, come see me. And fan mail. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, fan mail, fan mail, fan mail. This is actually from James on YouTube. Um, he says, Hi, I also have dystroctic eczema. It was an, I don't know how to say it, um, but it was an eczema that I had to look up um, a couple Googles ago because I had some issues. Um, My dermatologist said it happens because when you damage your skin watery fluid forms, which can drain into the hands and feet where the skin is tougher, so it forms into tiny little blisters, if you keep damaging your skin. Those blisters can join together to form bigger and bigger blisters. I've had it so bad my hands and feet end up covered in giant blisters. The only thing that helps ease it when my hands got too hot and itchy. And I just want to rub my hands together as hard as I can is to hold an ice pack. Hope this helps. Um, one, what I did both from reading about that type of eczema and exp- and having experienced it before, what is nice about it is that it does go away pretty quickly. So my hands hurt for about like three days, especially with just being aware of it and being uncomfortable. I didn't do too much different other than just kind of put a lot of like extreme lotion on them but it went away it calmed after three days and it went completely away after about a week and then my feet it's calmed probably within two days and it's still a little like not happy but it's fine but what I have learned just like you said is just like you don't want to itch it because itching makes it spread more is that whole like yeah having an ice pack putting something on it um it sucks because some of it is like avoiding washing your hands, which is not in this climate, in this COVID climate, you don't want to do. But just in general, like I'm a pretty hygienic person, but I've, it did take a lot of like, I would like save up my hand washings. I usually wear gloves to do like um, cleaning and stuff like that, but I would try to wash my hands like twice a day. Or I actually tried not leaving the house so I didn't have to wash them when I came back in. Isn't hand
1: hand washing like just what they said at the beginning because they didn't know what else to tell people to do?
0: No, hand washing is always super important. And they're just because in general, so like my brother actually told me a fact that, um, you know how you're supposed to wash your hands after you go to the bathroom? Yes. That is technically you don't, I mean, after you poop, you should Um, just because that's, not great. But, um, but in general, washing your hands every time you go to the bathroom is actually just so that you get a couple of hand washings in because you should, we go to the bathroom like a couple of times a day, me like 90. But in general, to keep bacteria down, I'm saying this like a moron so somebody can correct me if they want to. But just in general, having a couple different times during the day to get bacteria off your hands so you're not spreading as much is helpful and it just makes more sense to say to do it after being in a bathroom, especially a public bathroom, which is even grosser. It just, and they're there clearly. It's just, it's like, the point is to wash your hands a couple of times a day. It actually doesn't have to always be after you go to the bathroom. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does, yeah. But that's something my brother said. He's smarter than me, so I just trust him. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I I really did try to like save up my hand washings because my hands were in that much pain. But thank you, James. I appreciate that, and I've I'm I feel fortunate that I've never had like a giant blister, but I definitely like it was just small ones all over my hands and feet, and I was like, oh no, I deformed myself. Like it is one of those moments where you're just like, oh no, this is who I am forever, and I felt like a witch. It was kind of fun. <laughs> uh, thank you, James.
1: Good time of year to feel like a witch.
0: Yeah, I I just feel like I'm um, in character for my personality. Exactly.
1: Thanks James. Um, Googles. Mm-hmm. I'd love to know what you Googled this week. Oh boy, Liz, <laughs> this Google. Um, the Google was, uh, will mice crawl on you in your sleep?
0: <laughs> just, can I just, before you go into it, cause I, I know you have a story behind this, I hope people recall early pandemic, I was like, can you share food with a mouse? Because I saw a mouse eating, like I saw a mouse in my old apartment eating our stuff. But I love where it's just like, I have some mouse questions unrelated to my living situation. Just We've gone from sharing
1: mice. food with mice to sleeping with them. And I just wanna make yeah, yeah. sure
0: you
1: need, <laughs> need to use protection.
0: If, if I am gonna start a relationship with this mouse, can we one, go out to eat together, two, snuggle?
1: yeah well look I tell me your story one of my flatmates had said she'd spotted mice a couple of times in the kitchen then the other flatmate spotted it um she moved so what happened was is she her her food in her cupboard had been eaten into like there was a hole at the bottom of the package yeah and then she was like how the fuck the microwave's right under her cupboard and so then she realized they were crawling up the microwave and getting in that way and there was like poop on the microwave it was all very disgusting yeah um and I'm like Foul, gross, you know. Like, let's tell the landlord. But no action was taken on my end. I was just like, "Ew, that's nasty. Let's do something about it." But I didn't really. And then Johnny was staying with me because he's he's between like homes. He's moving, and uh, I thought I heard a mouse in my room. Like, while I was sleeping, and I was like, um, "Johnny, I was like, uh, Johnny, are you moving your feet?" He's like, "I'm not moving my feet." I'm like, "Are you sure?" <laughs> he's like, "I'm not moving my feet." I just keep hearing rustling, but it did. It sounded like on the other side of the room. Sorry, for a second I thought it was in your bed, and I was just like, I was like, "Oh, you're snuggling." Oh yeah, no, 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 no. But I woke up at three a.m. I think it like the rustling might have waking me up. I went to pee. I came back, and it had crawled across like this, um, like pin board that I have, and it crawled across my bed frame. It ran mm. across my my headboard, and I was like, "Ah!" Mm. And I was like Johnny, and he's like, "What?" <laughs> he was totally asleep, and I was like, "We had to sleep in the living room." And then I I googled like before i decided to sleep in the living room i googled can mice crawl on you in bed and yes yes they will they don't give a shit they
0: don't give a fuck
1: and if if it's how you get to food the fine they'll do it problem is is i don't eat in my room i hate you we've talked about that we've we've talked about it because you'll you'll eat in bed i just won't i i've always been kind of weird about having food in my room even when johnny came over with some stuff he had a baguette like on his stuff on the floor. And I was like, that's going to go. That was, this was before the, my stuff. I was like, that's going in the kitchen. Like, uh, like there's yeah. no food in this room. Um, So I don't know what the fuck it was looking for. I don't know why it was here. I don't know what it, why, why it wanted to come near the bed. And why aren't you scared of me? That's the part that hurt the most. <laughs> why aren't I so- I'm an adult. I just I'm love this like tiny human. little woman. That's like, <laughs> yeah. Um,
0: Take me seriously. Um, my little sister had, Um, she got my she got two mice. I was probably like twelve or thirteen. She got two mice. My mom checked; they were both female, and then one of them got pregnant. And my mom was like, "Oh no, one of them is not female." Oh shit! (laughs) And no joke. Fast forward, we had hundreds of mice. I'm not even exaggerating. So my brother had a chameleon, and so my mom would sneak out the baby mice and feed it to the chameleon before like because that's one of the things is you can give it to the chameleon. And then um, she started putting mice to sleep because there was like too many mice, she was selling them. We had like a million mice. Anyway, they would escape all the time in our house of children and people. And I remember I was sleeping and it crawled over my body. And you know, like sometimes you feel stuff when you sleep, like people talk about like sleep paralysis and you can't move or like, or like you feel something but then nothing's there. And that's why people believe in ghosts. Yeah, I remember sleeping and feeling something. And you know, you think well, maybe my brother's waking me up. Maybe Ugh. my alarm didn't go off and my mom is yelling at a mouse crawled over my body and I was so mean to my little sister. I was like, your millions of mice are trying to attack me. Like, I was just like, I was just like your mother's teeth." I was like shaking my sister. I was like, get rid of them. They're attacking the family. It just crawled over my body, but you would have thought it was trying to eat my eyeballs. I was so mad and I was so upset, but that was like, I think I had a real conniption. I remember oh I did God. not handle that well.
1: Why would me? you? I think you handled it really well considering. Hundreds of mice just escaping. That's fucking terrifying. Yeah. How are you so well adjusted? Your therapist need, deserves so much credit.
0: She's really great. Yeah, she really
1: is. Is there? There's a guy coming Friday, and then there's, there's three trips coming. Um, I I just don't know why I was, and I'm wondering if it's because there's a, a flat above us that maybe it was just like between well, kitchens.
0: Maybe there's access to the outside from your room, and that's why they were either coming in from your room and you were just a passageway.
1: Oh God. I mean, yeah. It was vain, you little fucker. There's no food here.
0: <laughs> also is your door, does it have space underneath it? Yeah. You can put something there. Like I had, um, cause we had mice in our kitchen and I was always scared that it would be in my room cause of my past. Um, so they had these like noise blockers where it's just really, it's just two foam things that you slide under the Boston door. also never got so- rid of the mice. People are always she saying. Did. Yeah. No, no, no. no. She was, she was actually like up until she died a great mouse hunter. The problem is she wasn't always home. And so just pheromones alone, like having a cat. And that's the other thing is like, you guys used to have a cat, just having a cat in your apartment, the pheromones kind of like, are like, keep them away. And then if you do have some kind of brave mouse, most cats, even your fat, lazy cats are pretty good at hunting them. She was great this mouse was always when she was gone. Cause I'd be gone for months at a time. They would come back. It would take me usually like a week or two to pick pasta back up. And that was really the problem. That's so the thing
1: you- is like, I'm always at Johnny's and because he's not at his place anymore, we're here. I'm like, maybe this mouse has just been living in my room and I didn't know. Cause I've never here.
0: You would kind of know they're pretty bad about droppings and stuff. And you're a pretty clean person. You would, you would know, but
1: I have a lot of I stuff. Think- you know what I mean?
0: You would know. Yeah. I promise you, you would know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, either get a cat. Um, that's solution. Number one, I have some great names picked out if you need help with that. yeah. Um, and then um, the external, just don't let them do glue traps. I think those are so evil. Yeah. My landlord
1: was like, if you tried to humane traps, I was like, okay, I don't have a car. I'm not walking a mouse 20 minutes to a field. Like it's just not, I'm, I'm not doing that. So let's skip that and just get me an exterminator.
0: <laughs> have you thought about building its own home? So it has its own kitchen yeah. and then stocking it with like some of its favorite foods from Trader Joe's. Yeah. Have you talked to this mouse? Like maybe you can have like a situation where you guys are like roommates. It just feels like you haven't even given this mouse a chance.
1: I really haven't. Yeah. We we should have a one-to-one just like, you know, me and the mouse. Maybe it's a sitcom.
0: Is there endangerment of snuggling with this mouse? I don't even know if you answered that question.
1: Um, it, probably before now on Friday, yeah. We've been sleeping in the living room. <laughs>
0: no, but did like Google say that there's an issue?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh yeah, they'll, they'll crawl
0: on you. Yeah, they'll go in your bed. Rats will too. Shit will bite you. Oh, that's true. That's 100% true. Yeah. So will cats. My cat did it all the time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> i my google does plucking gray hair make it multiply see that's the myth isn't it it is and it pissed me off so i found my first gray hair um it was gray it was real it was right at the root like i tried to be like it could be like you know when i had highlights first of all i've cut them out and second of all they would not be at the root so first i see it and it's like what pluck it put it against black I was like, okay, it is what it is. Like I, I literally did like a whole science Analyze the situation.
1: Is I'm like dropping there? drops Actually on it. devoid like, of color or am I seeing things? Is everything exactly. else gray? No, <laughs> nothing else is gray. My
0: pigment, my eyes, I'm like taking my contacts out and putting them back in. Truly really <laughs> like, oh God, um, not upset about it. If anything, all my friends are older than me. So I was, like, all my friends were like, welcome. <laughs> like everybody was like, um, and what I really loved is my mom stopped dying her hair like five years ago. And she has like gray highlights. I love my mom's hair. And then she dyes it different colors and stuff like that. But like, I'm not completely upset. Although I do have like 17 jokes about my skincare regimen. So clearly I am trying to fight time. Um, But it did like, I was like, oh God. So I tweeted about it. I texted my friends, whatever. And then of course you get all these messages that are like, you shouldn't have plucked it. You're gonna grow a whole bunch. And I was like, science, like I'm not smart, but even I know that's not how science works. Like that's so it just made me so it really makes me angry when these myths that sound stupid, everybody just blatantly believes them. Like I yeah. think one of my Googles was like, You if you cut you can't have a cut onion, you can't reuse a cut onion. And you're oh, like, Yeah, oh you're right. Like, it'll in my mind, you or I was something. what does that mean? And like everybody's like, Yeah, it was like some some shitty grandma said that to somebody and then people fucking talked about it. And now everybody thinks that. So plucking gray hair will only get your, it will only be replaced by like another gray hair in that place because there's only one hair that is able to grow per follicle. So your surrounding hairs will not turn white until their follicle pigment. Cell dies. So basically they're so shocked by what you just did to
1: that hair. They're like,
0: no, no, no. No, But like, yeah, like that makes sense. Like it's not like because a part of me was like, let's just think of this logically. If you, if if that's how more hair would grow, wouldn't people balding do that? Yeah. Like if that yeah, was right. true, then every guy would take the little hair they already have and start plucking them, and then they would fucking be a cheetah pet. But that's not true. So why yeah. does that work for gray hair? It's almost it's just- like
1: it's almost like uh, Clairol started that rumor. Don't pluck it. dye it. <laughs> Die
0: yes yes that's so smart don't pluck die and somebody's just like why and they're just right. like why, am I, why I am I dying
1: yeah <laughs>
0: <laughs> but yeah it was just like it just really it makes me sometimes i read that and it's like so prevalent it just makes me angry and i'm just like i'll fucking show you i know i'm right but the internet is going to be my fucking backup so yeah. yeah it's a full-blown myth and everybody should shut up <laughs> angry about it but I am curious. It was like, dude, it was in my part, smack dab in the middle. And yeah. it was like, if my my hair's really short now, I would say it was like two-thirds of the hair was gray. And I was like, I get huh. gray hairs in the middle too. And I'm like annoyed by it. I'm like, why can't I get like cool, like can I have like a strip of gray? Just like one. Yeah. My mom was getting the Bonnie rate. I've always loved the Bonnie rate. Yeah. It's like fun. the Bonnie <laughs> Yeah. She's like made it cool as shit. Okay. This uh this let's get personal is very you is it for you yes it's super you okay you ready yeah i think so what food have you never eaten but would really like to try i've
1: There's tried to... it yeah go
0: ahead. To... it could be exotic you know and somebody's like i want to try shark yeah. or it could be just certain dishes that you've always heard of that you would want to either try to make it or just try it in general um on big night you ever seen the movie big night no uh, Stanley Tucci
1: and, and, um, uh, Tony Shalhoub play Italian brothers who have moved from Italy to America and they started a restaurant and Tony Shalhoub is a chef and he, like, he's like, I, he's like an artist chef. Like he, his cuisine is like, takes time. He puts care into it. And then like the first scene you see is like this couple in a restaurant there, they're, it's like they're in the restaurant and they're like, they're, they're like complaining about the food and they're like, well, when does the spaghetti come? He's like, what spaghetti? And he's like, it doesn't come with a side of spaghetti. <laughs> like, they're like, can I have a side of spaghetti? And he's like, why? And then he's like, of course. Wait. <laughs> but like, so the uh, restaurant across the street, Pascal's does really well. They like, they like light their dishes on fire and it's all a big show. And it really is. It's one of my favorite movies for so many reasons, but uh, mostly because it's sort of a metaphor for like, like crafty comedy crafty art crafty like like comedy that um that isn't hack basically and then like the hack comedy that like people pay attention to and 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 love and how it drives you crazy cuz you're like
0: yeah
1: like we're really thoughtful comedy or like you know we're not uh, we're not like the yeah, Friday and Saturday Saturday like, night like black people are like
0: this and white yes. people are like this and people go nuts and you're like what? Yeah, You're just making weird racist statements and that's what you get so mad.
1: Yeah. Um, so they have a big dinner party at the restaurant and I want to try all the food because like, it just looks good, but they have, um, what's called a timpano. Uh, and it's like this Italian dome dish and it looks like it's like pasta and sauce and meat and like has different layers and stuff. And it's really complicated to make. And it takes a lot of time. Sounds like lasagna. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> continue. <laughs> it is like a lasagna, but it's got a crust. So it has like, um, it has a layer of Ooh. dough. So it's lasagna with a crust. It's like a pie lasagna.
0: Oh my god! It's an empanada lasagna. It's not an empanada. What? Calzone empanada. What are you doing? (laughs) I I, I'm that girl that I'm like that family that's like, can I have a side of spaghetti? Is this like is this like lasagna empanada? And they're like, get out! Get out of my restaurant.
1: Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> so this showstopper of a dish a large drum of pasta filled with ziti meatballs provolone mozzarella hard-boiled eggs salami and tomato sauce
0: oh man that is that is a dumpster of food
1: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then like it can dry out easily and so it's like it takes a real craft to To make it, and I just oh, it just looked really good. So I think that most most dishes I've seen on TV, I'm like I want I want that. Even like I remember watching Harry and the Hendersons. I'm I'm really impressionable because I was watching Harry and the Hendersons, and he threw a burger and fries in the backseat to like get Harry into the car. And I was like, I want a burger and fries. That like looks so good, just like a wrapped little burger and fries.
0: Wow, (laughs) that really took a turn. I knew you'd give a great answer. Oh, thanks mine was ostrich eggs i was like i don't know people talk about it okay what do they what i don't what know just because they're bigger <laughs> this is where i'm like the moron i'm just like oh no big eggs big you, eggs you just, need, you just need one instead of three isn't that crazy It <laughs> makes a big omelet <laughs> <laughs> and so we're like oh you got a big omelet i'm like ostrich eggs and they're like smart so smart, smart. do they say I don't about- know the taste the foot like is it I know nothing about it I just know
1: that it's a thing sounds like I don't like the idea of other animals eggs like I can barely handle the idea of a chicken egg and then you throw in like duck eggs ostrich eggs
0: doesn't the UK have some different eggs yeah
1: everyone has different yeah 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 it's around but like like if I know it's a duck egg huh
0: does it taste different or is I think a little
1: bit I feel like duck eggs are more gamey but that's just it could be just the thought of the egg, but like, I, I, that's okay. Those I've are, been at the, on the verge of a sneeze forever. Yeah, um, those
0: were loud too. I really spared everybody,
1: <laughs> but I just, uh, I just like the thought of a duck egg, like makes me sick to my stomach. And I, I don't know, but ducks, I don't like ducks. I don't like ducks.
0: Can I just say, I don't like ducks. Like I, I just need the
1: world to know. They disgust me. Male ducks have corkscrew penises which fucking disgusts me to no end and they rape female ducks who have had to evolutionarily like have an l-shaped vagina and i still don't understand how they end up having
0: so many babies
1: i just oh ducks are disgusting
0: no they're pretty gross um yeah i don't know i guess i just thought it was curious and i was like I just kind of like, I, I always liked over easy eggs and I just kind of like the idea of this giant, I just feel like I would feel like a cartoon character. And pig cheek. What? Pig cheek, pig cheek, cheek of a pig. Okay, is it supposed to taste
1: good? Yeah, it's all like, it's all like, it's flashy. And um, I've just seen like Anthony Bourdain ate a lot of hog or pig, or I don't know what the difference is, but um, in his travels, a lot of countries um, do pig well. And like pig cheek is his favorite part and it, it does look good, <laughs> I gotta be
0: honest. Did he say what it kind of tastes like?
1: I th- I mean, I don't know, I imagine it's moist and it's just like, like a juicy meaty cheek. I don't know if the flesh, I think the flesh would be like crispy and then the meat itself would be um, tender, but I'm just guessing. So that's why it would be something I would wanna try.
0: Okay, okay. I knew this was a question for you because you're like more into food and you've like both, look at menus and I feel like you're I can't wish I could wish my stomach was bigger and I could order everything like I feel like there's always I remember trying moose when I was in Alaska this was like eight or nine years ago um but I don't remember it and I want to try it again and I thought I think I liked it I think it was on pizza moose pizza was it
1: like a salami or was it It ground? um,
0: I think it was ground the same way that you might have like something, yeah, it was like ground. But I, I think had, I remember liking it, but I also think I, I don't remember being emotionally present or it was really late. I think the times were really off. It was like during the time where like the sun was out at like 11 o'clock at night and it really liked messed with your brain.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I tried like moose stuff. I feel like when I was in Norway, I tried like a moose sausage it was some sort of sausage and I, I wasn't into it. I've only had lo-
0: oh, venison
1: once. Um, it was a meatloaf and my friend in high school, my friend's grandmother made it. And then she was like, you ever, you know, she was like, do you like deer? And I was like, oh no, I don't know. I've never had it. And she was like, you have now. And then she just laughed while her cigarette kind of hung out of her mouth. Oh, <laughs> so That's not, that's not how you do that. That's not what you do. Is it? You, you
0: let me know first. Um, Yeah. It was good, I, what i did really like was um i was in australia it's not kangaroo what's the other one somebody on the internet helped me <laughs> it's not kangaroo meat it's the other one but like i had that as sausage and it was really good like i really liked it
1: uh i, I need to know what it what
0: it was i mean kangaroo meat is a thing
1: lamb beef game crocodile no thank you tasmanian beef emu
0: no australia it's it's um it's like a kangaroo but it's not australia i don't think it was kangaroo meat it was something else but it's like like a kangaroo okay another marsupial perhaps i don't know not a cool wombat was it a wombat i don't think it was wombat anyway i like the painting in the back yeah I do love that painting. I kind of want to like, I don't know how to get a cigarette Hold on. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you did that. (laughs) Okay. Topic. You ready to get sad?
1: I mean, her whole vibe, like the turtleneck, the red hair, it's all 60s. And you just didn't have any of that going on. I'm sorry.
0: No, your haircut's more that than this bob I have going on. Yeah. Uh, Topic. Super triggering. It is neglect. Neglect as a form of child abuse. Get ready, guys. Get just ready
1: to- just neglect as a form of child abuse? Or are we going to visit neglect in relationships or neglect among people you're around?
0: <laughs> oh, I did it. I did it for childhood.
1: Okay. What did you do? Um, I did a, a little bit of relationship. Um, so I'll just cover that.
0: Yeah, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And if for some reason we don't get to it, we can spawn it into more. They had a list which I'll go through, and it's every single one. Okay, <laughs> which is uh, it took me a long time to. I've I, it took me a long time to um, understand that I had an abusive childhood, but then also to learn both sides of it, both the neglect and other abuse, and like, you just don't, especially when you like your parents. Like I do like my parents, and my parents are good people, but that you know, and just so it's clear, there's neglect. And then there's also this thing called um, deprivational abuse. And while neglect is a form of child abuse, it is not deprivational abuse. So just so we're clear, deprivational abuse is when you like force isolation, food uh, deprivation, withholding love, like it's, you're maliciously doing it to manipulate and torture a child. And I used to read stories about it. And like, I was like, oh, and that's the other thing is you hear about somebody having such a much worse childhood that you're like, oh, my parents weren't that bad. But like, I remember there was like this book that everybody read in middle school. And I was like, I cannot read that. But I heard about it where it was like a woman that like would like force her kid to eat her own their own vomit and would like lock them mm-hmm. in a closet. And like, just this like real, like just fucking awful, awful stuff. That's deprivational abuse where it's, you're using neglect and isolation and, and not feeding them as a way of hurting them, as opposed to what we're probably going to talk about, which is it's not purposeful. It's just either this is how they were raised or they're a single mother, or, you know, they're, they aren't an emotionally connecting person. It's not on purpose. These, these parents still love their kids. They are just doing this damage unconsciously for whatever reason. And I just need that to be, cause I think I always was like, no, they never tried to hurt me that it wasn't purposeful, right. but it, right. you still, you can experience abuse even if it wasn't on purpose, you know what I mean? And I yes. think that's where the confusion was for most of my life where I'm like, no, my parents didn't want to be the worst.
1: Yeah, everybody's doing their best. It's just damage gets done.
0: Yeah, and but I did find it like, I was like, oh, I hate that I can check off every box. Um, I can go through them very quickly. Yeah, go through them, yeah. So lack of adequate food, shelter, and clothing, and that could include cleanliness of the home and clothes. Like think of like a hoarder that, again, is making an unlivable space, even though you technically have a shelter. Emotional and psychological abandonment. Um, The parent is like emotionally absent. Uh, Being a low priority. I think that speaks for itself. You just you're clearly bottom on the totem pole. Not feeling heard. um, So it's the child's not allowed to ask questions or express opinion. Not being allowed to have, um, or uh, yeah, not being allowed to have or express emotions. So you end up believing your emotions are um, unhealthy and you end up stuffing them down. When that happens, when you're not able to express your emotions, you often use substances to try to numb out and not feel feel your feelings. You can also often hide your feelings till there's a tipping point and then you kind of explode um, being used as a surrogate spouse known as emotional incest. Um, and it's basically, they force you into an adult role. And then there's also being forced into the role of a surrogate parent typically happens with the oldest child often happens when there's a single parent, but basically the older sibling ends up taking on the housework, the cooking, the cleaning, and the child rearing of younger siblings. Mm -hmm. And then, um, last one is being overly controlled and this is kind of weird where um, you end up actually getting lots of attention but you don't um, you don't learn to think feel and act or react for yourself and basically they call it the neglect of the soul where you're rather than like guiding a child and like hearing what the child actually wants you're forcing them into this box to be maintained by the parents so it's it's less um, parenting and more um, this kind of boss control relationship. Um, And like I said, the parents don't realize they're doing this. You know what I mean? It's either how they were raised or their circumstances. Like, you know, you can't blame a single parent working two jobs that are just trying to feed her kids. Yes, their kids are now a product of neglect, but they're clearly love their kids and they're doing everything they can to take care of them. But the result is this form of neglect. Right. Physically being around. And if you're too tired, you're not emotional. Or drunk. Like if you're-
1: D- abusing drugs or, or an alcoholic you're absolutely not there yeah
0: yeah absolutely you are physically there but you aren't um and like this book in the realm of hungry ghosts I've talked about it before it's all about like addiction and stuff but the biggest thing they talk about with parenting is attunement so what they used to think is um just being a mother and being present was good enough so you're a mom, you're taking care of your kid, that's enough. But they actually said it's really about attunement. So like if your baby is crying, you should feel sad and concerned. If your baby is happy, then you're you know present and happy with the baby. If your baby is angry, you're trying. But like if your baby's crying and you're just holding it and you feel nothing, or if your baby's happy and you're just holding it and you feel nothing, there's no attunement. And the baby feels like its world isn't being acknowledged.
1: Yeah. 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 Isn't that also called mirroring or something? It's like you're mirroring your child's emotions and and that basically it, it, um, it validates their emotions. It's it's, um, you're showing them that their emotions matter.
0: Yes, absolutely. A hundred percent. It's so I'd funny. Like Cause
1: it. like I had an ex who I remember one of his earliest memories when he was about eight, maybe not his earliest memory, but when he was about eight, uh, a friend of his died. And he kept asking, before the friend died, he kept asking adults, like, is he going to be okay? And they're like, yeah, he'll be fine. He'll be okay, he'll be okay. And then he died and he was really upset about it. And his parents were kind of like, they didn't validate how sad he was and they sort of ignored it, brushed it under the rug, like just tried to like move past it. Like, you know, it'll be fine, you'll be fine. But he didn't feel taken care of in that way. And I, I... I know it must've been a defining moment for him because I heard about it. So it's like, he, I, I don't know if he knows how it's affected him but he just knew it affected him.
0: Oh, of course, both just the death of a friend and to deal with death so young before you really understand your life. But then for the people that are supposed to take care of you to not take care of your emotional needs, not to let you know it's okay to be sad, that it is appropriate to be sad, that this is something that should be acknowledged and nurtured and revisited that it's not just this one-time sadness, which is like, I think a lot of people deal with that, which is they feel a lot of guilt for not getting over things quicker mm-hmm. and for um, bringing things up more than once. Like you're supposed to cry once that your dad died and then get over it. When you're like, he he was important to me. He was my father, you know what I mean? Like, I think that's often neglected, but in that situation, absolutely, that is. 100% a form of uh, emotional neglect at a time where there's people that do that to adults, but at least adults have the wherewithal to know that's not okay. But yeah, I could, I could imagine both the death itself and also how his parents reacted to it. I think what took me so long to accept that this was a form of abuse in my family is because, like I said, nothing was done on purpose. And there's always examples of it being worse. But like, people talk about... Um, when women are depressed right after childbirth,
1: postnatal, postpartum,
0: postpartum depression. Yeah. So postpartum depression, you know, clearly isn't, you know, great. It doesn't feel good. You're sad. And it now makes you somebody that is having trouble taking care of their kids, you know, because this kid now needs you and you're having trouble taking care of yourself, let alone something else. But really that attunement's not happening. And I remember my mother having Greg and being very depressed and not doing basic things like picking him, picking him up when he cries and, and just not being physically or emotionally present. And again, not her fault and there's no blame, but like realizing like, Oh, at the most important time where there's supposed to be a mother child connection, my mom couldn't do that. And what that's what seg- signal forever. Cause like what happens when you're younger, whether we'd like to believe it or not, or like to accept it or not, those first couple of years are foundational and you might not remember them, but you'll always feel whatever is happening in that moment. And then as you continue to have memories, like your friend did, then you start to be like, Hey, I think this really messed me up. Yeah. (laughs) But there are things that you don't remember that have messed you up. And I do feel like what is not talked about, because nobody wants to blame the mother and they, they can't because it's, it's something that's going on with them. But this is, You're not connected to your kid and your kid is absorbing that. And it's setting a foundational emotional palette that they'll forever not understand why they don't, feel their feelings or why they don't feel connected to people. And I know everybody talks about it. It just sucks to be a parent where you're like, I'm doing everything I can try to put food on the table, trying to be there, da da. da, da." And you're like, and I'm still fucking them up. Like you know what I mean? Right. Right. But did you hug them?
1: It's like, well, no, I didn't hug them. I forgot. I was too busy cooking. I was tired.
0: (laughs) Yeah. You want to be hugged all the time. (laughs) I think what I really struggled with was like I was a surrogate parent. And I was a surrogate spouse. Yeah, and it's funny because they said, "In this is from Psychology Today, but they said often what happens is the child doesn't think it's abuse because they just feel special, like this is the attention they're getting." And I realized my whole life I like helping people because it's the positive attention I got as a kid. Yeah, if I did the laundry, if I took care of my brothers, if you know what I mean, if I if I did everything. I was rewarded with attention. And if I didn't, it was the other form of abuse where you're being yelled at and things are being thrown and what have you. So it's like, I was really- What kind of attention?
1: Would they like hug you and say good job? Or would they like, come watch this thing with us? You know, like what kind of attention did you get as a reward?
0: My dad was very positive. So my dad would be like, great job. And you know what I mean? My dad is like, it was a positive, it was verbal positive reinforcement. Okay. And then my mom—it was the um, the lack of the other form of abuse. So my mom just wasn't violent. You didn't—you
1: didn't get screamed at and hit. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and exactly. then your dad
1: saying, "Great job!" Yeah, yeah, yeah. Your dad has that kind of air about him, actually. You just want to like win his approval. And like, I've only seen him for a few minutes, uh, eight years apart, but like the whole time, I'm like,
0: I hope he likes me. Yeah, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> And it's like, he gives you a lot of attention in the sense that it'll be like, Maria, what have you been up to? What are you doing? Like, he wants to know about you. And then when he hears something that he's like, good for you, you're taking Spanish classes. That's great. Like, like he just kind of gives you that vibe where you're like, well, I got it. I told Mr. Mealy, I'm taking Spanish classes. I can't ever quit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't disappoint him. And then the truth is, the the fact is, is if you came back and you'd be like, how's Spanish class is going? And you're like, oh, I, I gave up. And he'd be like, well, that's a bummer. Like he, he would literally be like, well, you know, maybe you can get back into it. Like there's no like, you know, life changes and, you know, I'm sure you're doing something else cool. It's always like, well, that's the fact I know about you. And sounds like you don't really fall through.
1: Yeah, that's <laughs> you know, the like- thing is that that that's what he would come to the conclusion of. It's like, oh, so you don't follow through. I got you. now. Yes. Next.
0: <laughs> no it's always an analyzing and it's always yeah. like if you told somebody you're gonna do it you are gonna do it and you're like i just wanted to see if i knew spanish yeah, like, i did I do like- it for two lessons i know it it's fine yeah <laughs> <laughs> my my therapist today um she just had somebody doing something in her house and she's like i'm so sorry just give me a second and she was speaking spanish and i was like what como Como? i know what And you said faucet. So just so you know, you probably shouldn't speak Spanish in front of me because I heard everything you said. She's like, great. I'm I'm not a faucet. I'm not a faucet. Look at me. I'm not crying. Okay. Are you telling them my business? You said faucet. I'm crying. (laughs) Um, Do you feel like you've, any of this was a part of your childhood? No, you don't feel like the controlling part, which what like what's that part? the overly being overly controlled, lots of attention, but you don't learn to think, feel, act, or react for yourself. Oh, that is neglect. that feels like the opposite of neglect. Yeah. And they even say that, that, that that might feel like, but basically your, your, your emotions are being neglected because you're being controlled.
1: Oh yeah. That, yeah. I think it's supposed to be that you allow your child to fend for themselves or figure some things out for themselves to gain some autonomy and, you know, but you guide them and support them along the way. Like that's how to be a good parent. And either <laughs> you let them do too much for themselves or you do everything for them. So I guess if both are neglect, then yeah. Weird how also- we're friends then. If you're the type of person who likes to do things for people and I'm the type of person who's had people do things for them, oh no. Yeah,
0: <laughs> it makes sense though. Like we're both, we're like- um- um the yin and yang of abuse in some ways where it's the same form but like it's um I'm a I'm a doer and I I clearly try to win love by doing things for people and you want people to do stuff for you or people always did stuff for you I you're not wrong which part am I not wrong about that our bond is probably based on child abuse yeah that's it was almost beautiful
1: um <laughs>
0: I was going to say reading this, not that I think your parents are overly religious, but this, the overly controlled made me think of my friends that come from very, very strict religious upbringing where you had to like, not even just like on Sundays, they had these rules, but like your whole life had rules. And like, I also grew up in a family of like speak when spoken to I remember, I think the reason I got into comedy and I liked comedy was because these people were able to openly talk about their opinions and they had opinions. And I remember until I was a teenager thinking I didn't have opinions because I wasn't allowed to speak any of them.
1: That's why I like comedy. I was like, oh, people are speaking their mind freely and they can say whatever they want up there. That's great. And I always thought that that's why I was attracted to comedy because I always felt like there was a lot I couldn't say around my family. And, um, I, you know, I had a small childhood moment of, of being quieted down when I, I, like I had a, when I was eight, ah, another eight-year-old one, uh, a, pivotal year, a man. friend of mine said she got her period, which is really early for eight. Very, and then yeah, very early. I told my parents, I was like, I think my friend got her period. And my dad freaked the fuck out. And he was like, don't speak about that ever again, you know, like blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I was so embarrassed and ashamed. And I ran to the bathroom and started crying because they had someone over and like, I don't know, like it's a little moment, a very little moment, but I think, uh, that made me feel like it wasn't safe to say anything.
0: Of course, because here it is, like, this is something super confusing, especially eight, like, you know what I mean? Like that would be confusing as a 12 or 13 year old when it around starts to happen. Um, but eight is so young, and you don't understand. And blood is scary, and you're trying to get information, and you're just being told that you just did something wrong.
1: Right, and like my little eight-year-old brain was like, "What's wrong with talking about?" I guess that's wrong, and I'm ashamed and embarrassed. Little things in your childhood will affect you, which is almost not fair to the parents. It's like you're going to have this thing, and like this child, every little thing you do is going to fuck them up. <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, it's
0: true though. I mean. Um, I always loved that Louis C.K. joke where he was just like, "Up, oh, a little bit of damage there." Like I'm butchering it, but he would always be like, "Oh, that's my handiwork. That tick, I did that." Like, <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. But it is. I mean, I absolutely like. And it's it's not fair in the sense that like the world's happening around them. It's it's nurture and nature. Like you know what I mean. Things that happen at school and da 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 da. And also, like I said, most people are just trying to do bare minimum shelter, food. You know, fucking physical safety. And then when they find out there's been emotional neglect, they're like, ah, like you <laughs> yeah, ate. And I think that's how my dad really felt. Like he was just like, you had a better childhood than I did, which I absolutely did. You wanted for nothing. Like when we didn't have much there, was, you know, I didn't know I was fed, so it didn't matter. And I was safe. And I, they made sure we went to good public schools and you know, I was dyslexic and they made sure we got extra whatever he's like, I did my job. And I think there's a lot of resentment in parents where they're like, you were you grew up full-fledged adult with, you know, your teeth. I did what I was supposed to do. Yeah. And it and it does suck because it's sort of
1: like the office space when uh Jennifer Anderson's working at the restaurant and the manager pulls her aside and he's like, Let's talk about your flair. She's like, You don't like my flair? And he's like, Well, it's just that you only have 37 pieces of flair. She's like, That's the minimum. Like he was like, That's just the minimum. Like Susie over there Brian. has like fifty pieces of flare, but Brian, knew whatever. I can't remember. It's yeah. been so, so long since I've seen it, but, but it's like that's how parents feel. It's like I did the minimum. I'm wearing the yeah. flare that you asked me to yeah. wear.
0: <laughs> you're alive, and I fed you. Fuck yeah. off. And 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 they're not wrong. Like I, I I absolutely get it. And you're right that it's these little moments that can have a profound effect. And I think what I also struggled with in therapy is that we the same way we do uh, compare and contrast of people getting things in the business we do the same thing with childhood well like you know I wasn't beaten you know my dad never punched me in the face so I didn't have physical abuse or you know I wasn't abandoned on a highway so I didn't have neglect abuse like you you have these extremes and you're like well if I didn't have these extremes I didn't experience this thing but it's like it's a, in the context of your own life, you can't compare and b everybody takes in things differently. I'm a very, I've always, my dad's sensitive. My siblings are sensitive. I'm sensitive. I do take in little things harder than some people do. So I might tell a story of my childhood. And so would be like, yeah, it happened to me. It doesn't really bother me. And I'd be like, oh, that was a turning point when I realized I couldn't trust adults and that I was alone in this world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, cool. That was like a Friday for you. That's when I knew I had to fend for myself. Yeah. It isn't fair. I, I agree with that. And that's why I also feel like, I don't think it's a caveat. My parents were incredible parents. My parents did an amazing job and everything that they missed my therapist is fixing <laughs> because I, I, there's so many things that i now through therapy really like about myself. And I'm like, Oh, my dad did that. And that's, I'm like this because of my dad and my mom was like this. And I'm proud of that. My mom did that, but there's also like corks. And I'm like, my mom did that. My dad did that. I'm fortunate that it wasn't deprivational abuse. That's like, how do you come back from that? That's crazy. And also my parents loved me and they just wanted us to be okay. And yeah. I I think you're, you're, no, perfect. They were dealing with their own horrible childhoods and own abuse. And it's funny, I just posted that, um, joke about pasta and that was like a big deal for me to write that joke about pasta where i basically go like hey i've been in therapy and you know i got into comedy because my parents were a product of you know because i'm a product of mental illness abuse and i know this because my parents were a product of mental illness abuse and i have a cat and she's a product (laughs) of mental illness and abuse and it was a big deal for me to acknowledge that that was there without blaming my parents because i think that's so important because they were also a product of the same thing. I really like that that quote where it's like, your wounds are not your fault, but healing them is your responsibility. Yes. And so I think our parents weren't raised that way. They have these wounds. They just kind of downloaded them onto us. But I think as therapy and mental health start to become more in the zeitgeist, it is kind of our job to break the pattern. Yeah. And I don't think I'm going to have children, but I do want to be a good aunt to my you know, nieces and nephews, to my friends, kids, and to my future kitten. Exactly. I mean, yeah. (laughs) I don't think I'm raising you, but yeah.
1: Don't neglect us.
0: (laughs) In conclusion, (laughs) um, I would like to hear um, anybody that's kind of wrapped their head around this kind of emotional abuse as a child. What they've kind of learned from it what patterns they've seen that they've done how they've kind of um i don't know if grown out of it is the right way of phrasing it but how they've kind of worked through that process and make sure that they don't like uh, a good example is i definitely was somebody that would stuff down their emotions and hide them and then i would explode like and it would explode i remember this so clearly as a child not especially as an adult but as a child i remember just would tell everybody, nothing, nothing, nothing. And then I remember once I went to go put my hair up and my hairband broke and I didn't have it. And I just flipped out because I broke my hairband. Yeah, yeah. And it would- I've definitely
1: gotten to that point where I'm just like, the small things don't work. And I'm like, I can't fucking handle it. It's just like, it's just the thing that breaks you. But yeah, you can write to us at two non-doctors. That's two doctors at gmail.com. And we'll see you next week. Thanks guys. Bye. Bye. Oh no, I deformed myself.